Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with uh, one of our uh, gracious uh, guest hosts, uh, Nora, who comes to us from an HR background. And we actually had a lot of uh, good feedback from our series on, on DNI. And we actually had a question uh, for, for Nora, which uh, we'll delve into and then talk a little bit more about things like allyship and, and some of the initiatives that are coming up. So we can uh, hone in a little bit more on the different things that are happening in DNI. So the question came from, from someone who, uh, well, you, you are, you're, you're identified as a person of color. Right, and and she is a, a newcomer that, that came in, and she had a question on like, well, how does one as a person of color break into HR? Because uh, she has the um, the understanding or or the perception that HR is largely not diverse, which is interesting because they are the champions of diversity, yet they themselves is not necessarily a uh, a diverse population. So, uh, what are some thoughts around that? What has your experience been around that? And then, uh, could you actually answer that question of how could someone uh, who, who identifies as a person of color uh, break into HR? If you have any specific tips on that, so that's kind of the background and, and thoughts, and would love your 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 insights. Thanks for having me again, Luki. Um, and I'm really happy to hear that we're engaging with people online and that uh, we're getting questions. Happy to answer any questions anybody does have um, or any suggestions people do have on what kind of content they'd like to hear. Um, please feel free to share it with myself or Luki. Um, and in regards to that question about um, you know being a newcomer to Canada, first off, welcome. Um, I, I, I'm sure you're gonna find that this um, country and city is awesome. Uh, like I found it, um, and very welcoming. In regards to, you know, being a person of color in HR, my experience hasn't necessarily been that, you know, um, as a person of color or UERG, um, there's lack of diversity within the HR department per se. I've seen lack of diversity more so from a, a gender perspective. So um, HR has always um, been heavier on the females than the males. And, and I think that we have some work to do to balance that. Um, but that might be some people's perceptions because HR departments are usually a little bit small in organizations, right? We are a support function. Um, some people call us, call us a cost center, which I don't like to say. Um, but for, and, and I think that this ratio, ratio is probably different now that we have a lot of technology to help us with our work, but back when I was in school for every 100 employees, the ratio was one HR professional to support, right? So when you look at that, um, there's not a lot of HR room um, or, 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 or a lot of HR openings like other roles. So, you know, if you are looking in a specific organization that lacks diversity or, 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 or is having challenges attracting um, diverse candidates, because the HR department is so small, it might be um, less representative of its full um, ERG demographic, you might feel that it's not the most diverse. Um, from my experience, typically HR professionals um, do um, value diversity. They, um, you know, have uh, or try <laughs> to be as unbiased as possible in their hiring practices, kind of like practice what you preach. Mm -hmm. um, but if you do find an organization where, you know, their HR practices or their HR recruitment policies and, and, and isn't aligning with your values and diversity isn't mentioned anywhere on their um, careers page or in, in the recruitment process, then maybe that's just not an organization that their values align with yours or the culture would necessarily work for you. Um, and as a person breaking in, I'd say 
Um, one of the biggest things is network, network, network. So reach out <laughs> to as many HR professionals as you can. We're pretty friendly. Um, we love to talk to people about career development because that's our passion and that's what we do. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of organizations within the GTA and Ontario that help connect um, newcomers that are professionals um, with large organizations. One of them that comes to mind in the GTA that's pretty big is Triac, right? So um, there's a lot of mentorship programs. There's a job board for, for employers and um, there's networking opportunities. So I'd also encourage you to um, look at the different um, committees and, 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 and organizations within your community as well um, for additional support during your transition. That's amazing. And, and what I heard from that is uh, from, from a, um, like, like a, a BIPOC perspective, there's not really any in, um, focus bias on that. Uh, it's just really because it's a one to hundred <laughs> type yeah. of thing where it's so small that, uh, it, that the representation not, isn't necessarily there. Uh, it's interesting that it's kind of skewed on, on the female side versus the male, because you often see that uh, differently in, in, in other functions, um, but, but glad that uh, there, there's things being undertaken to, to kind of move forward. Um, and, and the other part about the, the breaking into it, it sounds like it's, it's not that much different than in any other function. It's just because yeah. the, the function is so much smaller that you just have to do, do a better job. And uh, I think where m most folks, when they hear the word like networking, they just try to get an, an informational interview, a coffee chat, a Zoom chat or whatever it is. And then that's it, right? Whereas uh, a lot of times it's it's that building of the relationship, getting that person to to maybe coach advice, getting some advice even, um, versus really connecting to that person just for the purpose of getting a job. <laughs> that often doesn't come off uh, uh, very, very well in that. And, and, and thanks for sharing some of the, the, the resources too that I hope folks will uh, be able to take uh, on their own and, and um, put it into a place to, to find their opportunities. Uh, I'd love to kind of sh shift a little bit to the, the topic of uh, allyship. Right. So um, we talked in, in, in our previous episode a little bit on that. And um, if, if you can chat a little bit about uh, how uh, we can help, how uh, we can become allies or what is being uh, an ally all about. Uh, and, and some of the backdrop of it is, is I was having a conversation with someone and uh, it, it was related to kind of DNI and they had a question on um, a specific type of allyship where uh, people put like their pronouns in their in their names. Right. And they kind of asked me, well, can I do that? Do, do I need permission to do that? And I found that to be a very interesting question. Um, so what are your thoughts on, on that and, and, and other things, as well as like the different types of allyship? Because that's obviously for one particular group. Uh, but what are some of the other areas of allyship that, uh, that we should know about? Yeah, um, and that's a really good question about, you know, the pronouns and can I put them? Do I need to ask permission? Um, you know, I sometimes think that because... Um, people are not well equipped and they haven't been um, trained or educated on how to have what we call courageous conversations. So conversations yeah. about race, racism, identity, allyship, openly either within their personal lives or their professional lives. They think that something like pronouns um, is something that they need to ask approval for, or they don't know how to approach that conversation or who to ask, um, even though, you know, in my point of view, again, this is a, an opinionated conversation. It is just right. my opinion. Um, I think that, you know, anybody can put their pronouns if, if they want, as long as you, you know, understand um, what, what you're putting out there and, and you're going to um, ask people as well, um, give the same courtesy if, if you are going to put your pronouns out there to ask people, you know, how they would like to be identified. So, you know, uh, pronouns are important because, you know, people have the right to be called um, by their pronoun. 
um, and how they personally identify. And, you know, you, you, might, you might not specifically know a person's gender identity just by simply looking at them, right? Um, and it's, it's, it, it can be hurtful to assume somebody's pronouns and, and, and it's disrespectful as well. So, you know, using an individual's name and pronouns, is, is, it's an important way to demonstrate courtesy um, not just allyship, but but courtesy, right? Um, it could be a way to demonstrate allyship as well, um, supporting individuals that um, choose to to I, I identify with non-binary pro, um, pronouns, um, and and something to keep in mind as well. While while people you know are sharing how they like to be identified, that can change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, understanding one's gender identity um, can, can be a process and, and, and somebody might come to realize that, you know, they, they, they identify with a different pronoun later, uh, on down the line and their gender identity has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, s- many, but not all are, are typically non-binary. Um, there are some gender fluid individuals and they use gender neutral pronouns, right? Like they, them, their, um, and some people, um, use he, him, she, they, uh, she, her. So it's, um, it's not something that I'd necessarily say that you need approval for, that's for sure. And it's something that could be cleared up with, you know, just a quick conversation with somebody that might be more experienced in this space or a quick Google search. But, you know, um, you know, some tips if somebody wants to start being a little bit more um, aware and, and, and start approaching that conversations. If you don't know if somebody doesn't have their email signature or hasn't made it clear in the conversation how they'd like to be identified, ask. You know, you're coming from a place of learning and positive intent. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that most people, if, if they've been asked that thoughtful question, um, aren't going to take that negatively, um, you know, and, and don't make a big deal out of your mistakes, right? If you, un, if you unintentionally use a pronoun or, 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 or mistake, um, you know, the, the way a person identifies, you can just apologize, right? And, and, and I always like to say, with um with he and I for a lot of people it's 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 just they're just beginning their learning journey and it's it's an ongoing um journey of growth and learning so come with the intent of of of, of positive come with positive intent and understanding and if you get something wrong apologize it's not a big deal um and and if you're you trying to you know, um, implement this in your professional workspace, just put it in your email signature, right? Um, that's, that's a way where you can um, start, you know, um, letting people know what, how you like to be identified or, 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 or um, um, starting to um, get into that conversation a little bit. Um, you know, there's also some things that we say in, in our typical conversational English language that as we start to think about how people want to be identified, that we might want to take a moment before we say this um, and, and rephrase it, you know, when, when somebody says, um, ladies and gentlemen, right, or something that I'm um, I always say, you guys, um, maybe replace that with more of a, of a neutral, um, neutral uh, words like, hello, everybody, or folks. Um, when we see on a job posting uh, that they blatantly say, you know, his or her job uh, responsibilities, uh, like we've seen, um, some people identify as, as non-binary, um, and, and that actually doesn't apply to them. So also, you know, a lot of organizations now are making sure that their job postings are gender neutral. And, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of online tools to help screen also the wording to, to help combat that if you're in HR. Um, you know, a, another common saying that again, I, I've been guilty of saying is something like uh, manpower, 
right? Or how many man hours is this going to take? You know, um, we don't have to say man hours, you know, we can say work hours or how many hours it's going to take. So, you know, when you, when you're, when you're saying these things, just take a moment, reflect, take a step back and say, what can I use instead? And that's also going to help that positive culture change um, and help, you know, get us away from, um, from being, you know, very, very specific and, and non-inclusive with our languages to moving towards more neutral language. So, you know, it's a little long-winded, but for the individual that doesn't know what to do or if they need approval, I encourage them to, you know, start off by putting your pronouns in your email signature. And, um, you know, if, if somebody hasn't made it clear how they'd like to be uh, identified, ask them. Ask them, and I'm pretty sure nine times out of 10, that question will be appreciated. That's amazing. And what I took from that is I actually love what you said about that uh, courageous conversations. I think that that's so important. And I think it starts with that, that awareness and the willingness to be curious and, and, and have the discussion. And it sounds like that uh, in those discussions, like people appreciate that, that you're making the effort, whether it's right or wrong. Right. Um, yeah. I, I guess on the, on the, on the counter side where um, people don't want to seem foolish if that person is, is uh, not in, as a part of that community and saying, oh, what, what do you take me for? I'm, I'm, I'm straight or whatever. And, and hopefully I'm not uh, um, saying all, any of the, the wrong words, but sometimes people are, are, are don't want to say because of that. So having that cur- courage to say, oh, sorry, the, the, uh, I, I just had that um, feeling for whatever reason. Is, is there a, a better way of doing that or an easier way of doing that? Or is it just, well, get out there and, and make the mistakes. And, and once in a while, you'll um, make them say kind of that one out of 10, but those nine out of 10, you'll, you'll feel super appreciated in those cases. Yeah, and you know, um, Luki, I'd also say take it based on scenario to scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a lot of scenarios, somebody will introduce themselves and in a lot of ways, the way they're describing describing themselves or, or whatever the case is, is, you know, either clear is, 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 is male or female or, or they themselves say I identify as as, as they are there. Um, so, you know, take it situation by situation. And I, and I think that if somebody mistakes you asking what their pronouns are for whether or not you're mistaking them for their sexual orientation, then that's a great learning opportunity because mm-hmm. just because you identify as, you know, she, they, or non-binary, doesn't necessarily mean that your sexual orientation is one way or another. Right. Um, so I think that it would be a great learning opportunity, even if they got taken back. Um, I think that, you know, they would all, they would appreciate the learning opportunity because I'm sure that if that's their response, then they're probably in their workplace worried or not sure how to pr- approach gender pronouns. That's interesting because uh, I'm, I'm almost thinking that now that's almost like a, a teaching moment where by their reaction, yeah. you're uncovering some sort of bias on their side that they should be aware of. Uh, and exactly. so I think that's actually a, a, an interesting way to, to put it. It's saying actually by them responding negatively, it's actually a good thing for them to be learning about. So you're doing them a favor <laughs> by, by kind of uh, putting it out. So that, that's a very interesting perspective. Um, so, so so that question was, was on kind of um, for, for the... Um, how you identify from a gender perspective, but the other ones where uh, it's, it's it's things like like the whole uh, BIPOC and, and the race, so so the Black Lives Matter, the, the Stop Asian Hate, and that sort of stuff. Uh, are there other ways where we could support like the allyship from there or the, in other areas of allyship? What are some examples that, that we could potentially uh, take upon ourselves uh, in order to um, represent our allyship? Yeah. 
You know, again, uh, and I always like to clarify that this is an opinionated, this is just an opinion-based conversations. Where I'm okay. coming from is based on my experience in, in work and life um, and my knowledge thus far, but I'm continuously learning. And what allyship today to me, it means that an individual, you know, actively works to support uh, and advocate for an oppressed group um, and an underrepresented group and an uh, underadvantaged group. So somebody from a place of privilege. Um, and, and when you mention, you know, all of these different communities, how can we be allies or how can we, you know, help? Um, you, can, you, can, you can use that example in the workplace, right? If you are somebody that's been identified as a, um, um, a well from a well-represented group and, you know, have had uh, privilege as a result of being from a well-represented group, um, you can sponsor or champion a uh, individual that is, um, you know, most likely a strong employee and it's a high performer. There are a lot of high performers that are BIOPOC people that just, you know, don't have um, skill sets or English as their second language or just haven't had the opportunity to network internally for, for, for various reasons, biases or whatever the case is. And you can champion and advocate for them internally in the organization, whether that through be through mentorship, whether that be championing them for, for certain roles or opportunities. Um, another way to be an ally and, and support is understanding, um, you know, um, what certain communities are dealing with and, you know, what are some of the systematic barriers and biases that these communities have dealt with and, you know, coming from a place of learning, taking that back and seeing how can you from, from a place of privilege um, help lift those barriers and, and that community and, and help advocate, you know, whether that is, um, again, you know, bias through hiring, or not only bias through hiring, there's a, there's a big difference between having a diverse organization, and having representation across levels and leadership, right? So, so, so looking at, you know, have, um, certain people from ethnicities or, or people with English as their second language, have they been able to progress um, and been given the same opportunities internally through promotions? Um, has their performance been evaluated the same or are they working twice as hard to get the same or, or a lesser performance review, right? Um, you know, things like that. I think that um, allyship is, 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 a, is a process where an individual is coming from a place of learning, um, wants to um, help. And, 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 and again, you know, as an ally, you are coming from um, a place of, of privilege um, and you're actively involved to, you know, end oppression for, for particularly um, specific group or group or um, community. Um, and I'd also say, you know, and I've experienced this in the past, when people, you know, want to be allies, and I appreciate it, but sometimes as an ally, if you want to be an ally, before you put the onus and the responsibility of people from a BIPOC community to explain to you their struggle or the barriers they face or their challenges, do your own research. Take the time um, because it's exhausting. To uh, it's exhausting, and and you know a lot of people they 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 don't want to be they don't have to and they don't need to be the individuals that you know um, continuously educate every single person on their community scenario or their community struggle or or, or barriers, um, and and you know as an ally you know some things when you're when you're coming into this conversation they might trigger you, so mm -hmm. kind of do your own work and figure out you know how um, you've 
participated in oppressive systems in the past, why it might trigger you, how can you grow through this process as well as an individual, um, and, and how can you change the systems based on your own privilege and power around you, um, and be aware of your implicit bias, right, take a moment and see, like, have I been biased without knowing? You know, where is that? Where are my blind spots and how, how I can how I can fix it? I think that's kind of like the basic thing that you need to do um, if you want to start to be an ally. Um, and uh, and and and, you know, um, don't assume that every single person from a specific group uh, feels the same way or has the same point of view as well. Um, so, yeah, do the research, understand, but also be open that, you know, different different individuals of color all have varying um, experiences, right? So also don't, don't take that assumption. It's just not one stamp for you know, all the South Asian community or all the Black and African-American community, right? Everybody has different experiences. So um, just be open to continuously learning and, and don't come from a place of, you know, assumption. Yeah. yeah. So those are just some ways that, um, you know, I, 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 I think that you'd want to start some of the things that you want to start looking into if you want to be, you know, a strong ally and advocate. Yeah, and I'm learning a lot myself. So I think it's, it's amazing where, again, it goes back to the coming from a place of learning and, and curiosity. I think it is great. And, and also what you mentioned about uh, understanding a particular place of privilege, right? So, so you're, you're fortunate in whatever area um, it, where you're in the opposite of the community, well, on the other side of the representation scale. Um, so if you're in, in that majority side, then think about, well, I'm going to be grateful for all the privileges you have that these, this other group uh, might not necessarily have. And then uh, hopefully you can kind of elevate everybody because I think we're, we're all better um, together than, than, than individually. Um, and and uh, a lot of it is learning to, to to your point about the your blind spots, right? Biases in, in yeah. certain ways. And chances are, if those biases are in that area, they're probably in other areas too. So those are things that you'd uh, want to know of. Um, but yeah, but... I might also just say something about allies that I might get some heat for this comment, but you know, a lot of them sometimes feel guilty. And I find that they feel guilty about, you know, their privilege or the opportunities or the power they have because they're a well-represented group. And I don't particularly feel that guilt or a lot of guilt is a really healthy emotion to carry. Um, it's I, I don't feel that it's a positive emotion. I think that once somebody reflects and can self-identify as an individual with some form of privilege and can help in some way, um, then don't feel guilty and move forward because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not one person who's built a system or it's not one person that's created these systematic barriers. So harboring that guilt, I find, is not specifically the most positive. And, and, and I've seen it come across the way, you know, different allies approach different things or the way they talk. And, you know, I almost, I, I, I don't think that they need to be um, harboring those negative feelings towards um, you know, their, their privilege, as long as they recognize it, and, and they're doing something positive about it. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. And uh, what comes to mind is that, well, none of it was any of our choices. Right? It was just kind of the luck of the draw that the universe gave you whatever he gave you. So exactly. you shouldn't feel guilty for that. Just just be uh, unabashedly you <laughs> and, and, and own it in whatever area that you ended up uh, over, or under, uh, majority, minority, whatever it is. Just just uh, be you. So I think that's, that's amazing. Uh, one thing that we talked about when we were off camera was was an initiative that that you had undertaken uh, in regards to like a, like a video series. So can you tell me a little bit more about that and um, some of the, the the great things that that came out of it? 
Yeah, you know, um, one of the biggest things that I think contributes to positive um, positive DNI culture is culture. Uh, uh, positive DNI um, within an organization is culture and, and talking about DNI and having courageous conversations. And one of the most successful ways that I've seen that being done in my career so far is through the storytelling technique. You know, people relate to individuals more so when they hear your personal story, right? Um, and 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 they also can relate to senior leaders on a more personal level when they hear their personal story. So one of the things that we've done in, in my current company is that we've um, reached out to uh, senior leaders um, that were of a, you know, that were um, UERGs, um, um, and, and allies and have done and were, um, you know, active in, in DNI within the community and in the organization and, you know, ask them to share their story, their experiences. Some of them were newcomers to Canada. Um, some of them were first generation Canadians, but, you know, worked in a really remote location and were the only colored person in, in the whole office, right? Um, some of them were the only female on their team. Um, so it was really interesting to hear all of their stories, their perspectives, their thoughts on also how, you know, DNI has improved over the years in organizations, how the conversation has changed. And we find that sharing your story um, was successful because it helped us, you know, start those conversations and, and contribute to the DNI education that we wanted to contribute to and, and provide employees. Um, but also, you know, drew people in because it's it's personal, right? A lot of people want to know people's personal stories. A lot of people feel that they might be able to relate to them. Um, it makes people feel more connected that they're not alone if they've shared ex similar experience. Um, and then from a leader perspective as well, especially from a senior leadership, it, it also, I believe, you know, humanizes you a little bit, right? Because as senior leaders, you don't usually get to talk to your frontline employees on a day-to-day -day basis. You're just some, you know, picture in the HR system or, or, or the org chart that people see and they never speak to. So it also, I think, you know, it almost kills two birds with one stone. It, it helps people get to know you a little bit better, um, and then positively contributes to that ongoing DNI conversation. Yeah, I think what, what I took from that is it's that, that storytelling element, um, making people more relatable and, and um, helping people understand that we're all human, right? So you've gone to similar exactly. experiences uh, in, in whatever uh, aspect and, and, and certain populations have gone through different sorts, uh, but uh, it's, it's unique because not, as you mentioned before, just because you're part of a population doesn't mean you went through that. You could be part of the, the majority uh, or, or whatever it is and still have gone through uh, something that, that, that uh, someone in a different population had gone through. So they're all unique and, and to, to be able to say, oh yeah, uh, they've gone through that and now they are <laughs> a head of the department or a VP or whatever it is, then, then it sh shows and, and provides hope for the others that that, that could be me uh, too one day. So, so I think that's a great initiative. And uh, yeah, we, we'd love to have you back and, and talk a little bit more on, on DNI or other things that are happening in the HR realm or whatever is new and interesting in, in, in the life and career of Nora. <laughs> right. But th thanks so much for, for joining us again, Nora. And uh, hopefully we have you back for a future episode. Thanks, Luki. Have a great long weekend. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.